on this episode of the Magic Business Podcast. But the real secret for me to making a lot of money in this business, again, I'm not bragging. This is absolutely realistic. I average about thirty dollars to $35,000 a month performing in the fair and festival market. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real-life experiences and some of their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with the TheMagicOracle.Club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. Kevin Eller is based out of Indiana. He is a monster in the fair and festival market. He regularly performs up to 150 shows throughout the Midwest. For three years, Kevin had a standing show for the public in Chipshawana, a small tourist town in Indiana. He has written a book on working in the fair and festival industry called The Outdoor Dilemma. He also has a well-received DVD lecture on back-of-the-room sales. As busy as all this sounds, he is actually only a part-time professional magician. His other job is he's a national sales and marketing executive in the print industry. I am super happy to have him. This guy is full of knowledge. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. You have a ton of experience in this, and... A lot of people come to you about the fair and festival market getting getting advice, and, and, I, and I've been one of them. So my question to you is, what makes the fair and festival market so much different than other markets? Well, I think it's safe to say that most working magicians or entertainers, for that matter, um, have worked outdoors. Um, and it's always fun for me if I go to a, a random fair or something, even if I'm not performing there, I can always tell the performers who've never worked outdoors because it's 90 degrees and those are the guys wearing their tuxedo or their suit. And so they, they wouldn't be considered fair and festival or outdoor performers. They're considered a guy who took a gig and didn't know what to wear, uh, when he got there. So I think the biggest difference between actually being a performer who takes an occasional outdoor show. I mean, even a birthday party magician works in the backyard once in a while, you know. Um, but the biggest difference is understanding the market and understanding the difference between your, your general show, what you've always done, versus literally what you need to do to be successful as an outdoor performer. So... Working outdoors, what's one of the first problems I'm going to run into? Weather. You're going to run into the weather. I mean, you can, and, you know, I've, I've performed all over the country and pulled a big old trailer all over the country, but I predominantly in the last 10 to 15 years have really tried to stay focused on the Midwest. For me, I felt like the Midwest was just a groundswell of opportunity, lots of festivals, lots of outdoor events. You literally are going to experience every type of weather you can possibly imagine. And believe it or not, sometimes you can get pretty close to all four seasons uh, in one day. So I'm going to guess even your tricks now have to be whatever you think of as, as tricks that you're bringing to the show. You have to rethink these tricks, I'm going to guess. That's right. That's right. What I what I got used to doing, I, I used to be very meticulous about making sure I had like five different shows and I would have them all cased up or sectioned off or I'd have them at least on my phone in my notes. This is show number one, show number two, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, I always had 
a cache of literally every piece of magic I could do. Because every so often you show up at a fairground and the gods are shining on you and they actually put you in a nice building or they put you inside of a tent. Well, all of a sudden that eliminates the wind and it eliminates the rain. Um, I can tell you in the middle of the summer, it does not eliminate the humidity. However, it does allow you to do some things. For example, I, I wouldn't recommend doing a silk act outdoors. But say you've got a good silk act and you would love to do it. Ordinarily, if they put you on a freaking hay wagon on the parkway, you're not doing that silk act. Your silks are going to be blowing all over the place and you're going to have all kinds of issues. They stick you in a building or in a tent, you know, bust it out. It's, 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 uh, it's something different that people aren't used to seeing at an outdoor show. So I think you really have to be versatile. Um, if you're building homemade props out of wood and you're not sealing them correctly uh, or your builder's not sealing them correctly, depending on the time of year, you're going to have swelling, you're going to have shrinking, you're going to have hinges that don't work correctly. You're going to slam the door on a, say, a modern art illusion and the door is going to bang up against the side because it's not going to fit right. And then it kind of breaks your momentum as a performer standing there messing around with the door, trying to get it to pop shut. And by the way, while you're performing that routine, the only thing you can think of instead of doing a great act is, oh my God, I hope I can get that door open when I'm done with this. <laughs> so uh, the weather will just wreak havoc on your show if you're not careful. All right. Now, where, where do you even get hired for a fair and festival show? Well, I do a handful of things. You know, when you introduced me, you, you mentioned that I was a, you know, a sales executive and, and I've been in the print and marketing industry, fortunately, my entire life. It's all I've ever done. So um, I personally sell to massive corporations. I, I literally have clients. I'm, I'm a national person, but I have clients all over the world. So what I decided to do years ago was kind of dial that whole process in as it related to my product that I was selling to the outdoor market. So all of those things that I do every day to generate millions, I mean, I'm, and, and I'm not patting myself on the back. Uh, I don't personally make millions, but I sell millions of dollars to these big corporations. I've essentially taken that process and I've applied it to uh, the product I'm selling. So if I go and present to a fair festival board, um, I'm, I've got my presentation hat on. I'm dressed appropriately. If I'm on the phone, I'm having a conversation based on what I know about that client. And so it, for me, it's a combination of, of a handful of things. You got to get the leads. The best place to get the leads is nearly, and I say nearly because surprisingly not all, but nearly every state in the nation has one or two annual fair and festival conventions. And this is where fair managers or people who are on fair boards come to learn, um, you know, uh, how to bring in the best rides, where to get the best insurance, what's a good process for parking, all of these things. So I go to those. I set up a booth just like I'm selling a product, just like a home and garden show, whatever you want to call it. I set up a booth and that booth needs to be good. Fortunately for me, over the years, have become very well known in the business. So my booth looks today completely different than it did 20 years ago because 
people in the industry actually know me now. So it, it's a little bit different angle that I have to take. Right now I'm doing client maintenance versus lead generation, which I still always do lead generation, but client maintenance and, and rehiring and rebooking is, is really my, my core competency. Um, I also do some mail, direct mail marketing. Uh, I don't think there's ever a substitute for that. However, I will caution you. Um, I know people, there's even a guy who wrote a book about fairs and festivals a few years ago who literally knows nothing about fair and festivals. It was just something to put out there. And his whole marketing section in the book was talking about direct mail, direct, direct mail. Well, let me tell you something. Bubba Joe Farmer on the 4-H fair board, he gets your direct mail and it goes straight in the trash along with 20 other pieces of direct mail from people trying to get hired. So the, the problem there is you're not doing anything different than what anybody else is doing. So if you want to use direct mail, make it an interactive piece with a massive call to action. But when they get that and they're sorting it, they go, oh, oh, here's a piece from Kevin. Well, I know Kevin. I talked to him at the fair convention. All of a sudden, there's some uniqueness there and it's different. Um, and they'll they'll set that aside. Okay, so I need to go to these fair boards. That's 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 my number one step. Well, your number one step is to get in contact with the fair boards, and the way to do that is to join the associations. So this isn't something I'm going to just start tomorrow and, and start booking in the next no. couple of weeks. No, it's like any good business; it takes time. Okay. Now that being said, can can I make money in this? I mean, how much how much money is can be made uh, in the fair and festival? Because I know there's a wide berth of fees. Yes. Yeah, it depends on what kind of show you have. Um, if you're a mime, for example, um, you're going to come in. You're probably not going to have a lot of props. They're going to have you walking the the parkway. Probably you're not going to have an actual show. You're just going to be walking around. Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, a guy like that's going to get around 500 bucks a day. So I, I have seen over the years, those guys really kick it up and go from being a mime to, I, I don't know if you've ever seen like these living statue guys. Yeah. Um, some of them are very good, very impressive. I know one uh, personal friend of mine uh, from over in the Ohio area, he gets 1500 a day period. You know, it doesn't matter how many days you book him, he's getting 1500 But he draws huge crowds and people take pictures of him. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different. It's, it's, it's definitely something uh, way above being a mime. So, um, so you can go from $500 to $1,500. I have a big show called Midway of Magic, lots of illusions. I hauled around a huge toy hauler. I've had three of them for years. Um, and, um, uh, for me, the draw is when I start setting illusions out on stage, it draws in the crowd. Um, and I talk to the people about this when I'm selling, but the real secret for me to making a lot of money in this business, and I'm just going to throw a number out. Uh, again, I'm not bragging. This is absolutely realistic. My friends and people who know me know this is true, but through the summer, I average about thirty dollars to $35,000 a month performing in the fair and festival market. And that's about a four to five hour or a four to five month window um, in the Midwest. Otherwise, you start running into smaller events and things that can't pay you that kind of money. Um, and that all comes with a combination of things, including back of the room sales. 
Well, well, all right, that's great. I want I don't want to get sidetracked because I also know yeah. you're a master of back of the room sales. Yeah. But um, I, I want to be clear. So in this, uh, like that month period where you're making thirty grand, how many fairs and festivals are you doing within that time frame? Oh my gosh, it depends on the size of the fair. Um, I could go in, say, August, for example, when a lot of state fairs in the Midwest happen. Um, I could get a state fair call me and say, hey, we want you for the whole 18 days. Well, naturally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a considerable discount, but I also need to make sure that if I'm going to book, and, and most magicians would be like, oh, my God, I just booked 18 days. The way that I think is, oh, man, somebody's asking me for 18 days a great opportunity. However, not only how much can I make, but how much can this potentially cost me? Because if I'm going to work 18 days, close, it's almost a three-week gig, I've only got maybe 10 days left in the month to book some other shows. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to believe, but an 18-day gig, a full state fair, can actually cost you money if you don't play it right. Um, however, in July, for example, when say I work a lot of 4-H fairs, I grew up farming. I know that market very well. I was in 4-H. Um, oh my gosh, it's nothing for me to do. Oh man, uh, hit 10, 10, 10 fairs. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and literally leaving one and setting up in the middle of the night at the other because during the day we're not allowed to drive our truck onto the grounds. And so give me this too. Give me a, so if I decided I got interested in this, I want to, I want to, you know, cause you've given me a good stepping stone to kind of uh, get into that. How long do you think it would take me to go from zero to booking a whole month? Like you just talked about of 30,000, how, how, how long, how many years will it take me before uh, I hit that? You know, somebody who really stays the course can do it in about five years. Okay. Um, however, I've actually helped some people over the years get into the market because they they don't do anything in the summer except for maybe birthday parties. And I, I usually, you know, if, if you're a birthday party magician, for example, you've got a show that really appeals to kids and families. And so um, I'm like, okay, amp up your show. Let's make it bigger or at least appear bigger. And let's go after the kids' days at these fairs. Um, and I helped a guy... Um, in the Midwest, another guy, I'm not going to throw out any names here, but um, I worked with him and the very first year he was booking $1,200 a day at kids events. Um, now, a lot of people balked. A lot of fairs will go, ah, we're not going to pay you that um, for kids day. And me being a salesman, I'm like, I just don't understand how you can place less value on kids day than any other day. Because kids can't come to the fair without their parents. And kids' day is a bigger day than most days. Mm. So you, the, the key is you have to understand the fair industry. Forget about magic. Forget about your stupid card tricks. You shouldn't be doing card tricks at a fair anyway. But forget about all that stuff. And understand the business of the outdoor market. They want to know how are you going to draw people how are you going to get people into our fairgrounds so we can charge for parking? How are you going to get people through our gate? How are you going to get us people so that they buy more food and lemon shakeups because we take 30% of that? For me, understanding that market has 
put me in a situation where I can go and have a conversation with a fair board and they're super impressed. As a matter of fact, Christian, I believe that you sat and watched me negotiate with one of the biggest fairs in the Midwest one night in a hotel room. And we didn't talk about my show. We, we didn't, we didn't talk about the show. We didn't talk. I talked about, you got a parking space for my trailer. And he's like, oh, you got a trailer? I'm like, yeah, I got a huge trailer. So his perception is, I need to put something big on this stage. And um, and honest to God, they don't care if it's a magic show. It could be guys out there dribbling basketballs. They just don't care. And if you want to brag to them about how great your show is, they are literally not going to book you. What are you going to do for them? Right. And, and I would say uh, that that time I sat and watched you uh, in action, and, and, and I think this is important for our listeners to hear, is um, it was no longer. So once they had decided, all right, Kevin, we, we know who you are. You're good. We need you. There was never any talk, which I think most magicians do somehow, but great their show is. And what you showed me in sitting with those guys is once the show, they get it. You're good. You're arguing about a whole, not arguing, but you're negotiating a whole lot of other things. And you were talking about where you're being placed at the fair, uh, how many days, what's going to, and, and it was the knowledge that you had of the fair market that was able to, you were able to negotiate a, a very nice fee for that one. But I think that you're not going to have that in the beginning, but you're right. No. I think you have to understand, you have to start learning the fair market, right? You have to understand how it works and why it works the way it does. Well, if you took a new job as a air conditioning salesman tomorrow and you've never sold an air conditioner, aren't you going to have to go through some training to understand that industry? And no matter how good of a salesman you are or no matter how great you are with customer service, if you don't understand air conditioners, you're not going to sell them. And if, if you don't understand how an air conditioner appeals to people, you're not going to sell them. So I, I've said this a million times, but literally no one listens. Forget about the magic. Forget about your show. If you're going to go out and do this, of course that stuff is good. Make sure it's good. Make sure it's appealing. You've got to get focused on the business and the business of the outdoor market. I mean, you have not lived until you've broken a, broken a trailer hitch at 2 o'clock in the morning in a field somewhere and you can't get any help. So, And you know what that does? That leads us into this question I'm going to ask you. What, As I, as I know, many people have approached you about working at Fair and Festival Market. What I want to ask you is, what's the one question they never ask you but they should be asking you? Well, you know, over the years, I've gotten a ton of different questions, all the way from what kind of shirt should I wear? What kind of underwear should I wear? And believe it or not, it, uh, I actually have an answer for all those things. But the question that I don't get that disappoints me the most is, uh, and I know this sounds a little odd, but what don't I know? Because it, it blows my mind when someone says, well, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I do this? And I'll give them the advice. And then all of a sudden they think they know it all. You know, what, instead of saying, what should I look out for? Uh, what don't I know? Is there, you know, when I'm on a phone with a client, uh, we were talking before we set this up. I had a Zoom meeting yesterday with one of my clients in Atlanta. And at the end of that call, I learned this forever ago. At the end of the call, even though we were talking about one thing in spe specifically, I said, well, hey, I really appreciate you guys coming on a call with me. I think we figured this out. Is there anything else that I can do for you while I've got you on the line? 
And I think my clients remember me for that. And it blows me away if somebody goes, well, how much does it cost to set up a booth at the fair and festival market? And I'm like, mm, which one are you going to? Um, and they'll say, I'm going to Indiana. I'm like, it's going to cost you 400 bucks or whatever. And they're like, okay, thanks. And I'm like, okay, that's a person who thinks all I have to do is go set up that booth. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know firsthand, because you and I met at a fair convention years ago, you can set up a really cool booth and totally get skunked if you don't know what to do after that. Kevin, you have been fantastic. I think if, if you didn't know anything about it, at least now you have an idea that you might be walking into a minefield here. Uh, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to scare anybody away. It is a minefield, but it's not, you know, you can navigate it. But I would say when you talk to people and there are some great people in this industry, you can talk to not, not just me, um, but some great people. And, um, you have to listen to them because they will tell you how to navigate that minefield. Well, I think you have done a fantastic job of helping us. I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Kevin. All right, man. I appreciate you having me. Good luck to everybody. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the magicoracle.club, and that's where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcasts and a whole bunch of other very cool magical knowledge. As always, we like to leave you with something, and uh, I like this quote from Gene Hubert. It is a presentation which lifts the card trick from the level of a mere commonplace puzzle to the status of an unforgettable and inexplicable mystery. As always, we at the Magic Oracle wish you continued success on your path in the magical arts. 